Welcome to the Bethesda Christian Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit yourbcc.org or download our mobile app from the App Store. And the fundamental parts are called uh, neurons and synapses. And the neurons in our brains and the neurons in our entire nervous system that run up and down our entire body, they're like a hard wire. They're like a conductor. They, they can take the information from one end of their cell to the next end of the cell. They're a total and complete uh, connection. The synapses are a little bit different. They're, they connect the, uh, the neurons together, and they're very interesting. And this term synapse I thought it was fairly new. I didn't realize this, this term has been around for over 100 years. It was coined by a British uh, physiologist. His name was Charles Sherrington. And he first used this term synapse to mean a connection in 1897 in a textbook that he was writing on physiology in his uh, neurology chapter. He had discovered... Uh, these little cells, the neurons, and was beginning to understand about how they were connected. And he coined this term synapses, and they are, they are the communication link. They are what uh, ties together these, these, ner- these neuron cells that are telling our body what to do, telling us what to say, controlling our, our memories, and they together make up our our circuitry, our neural circuitry uh, that ultimately support all of our thoughts and all of our behaviors and all of our actions and all of our feelings. And so these uh, synapses, they're very important. And if they malfunction, they can uh, really open up a host of problems and maladies, memory issues, mental health problems, mobility issues and and the list goes on and on these microscopic uh, nerve cell connectors are fascinating because between each synapse the synapse is the connection it's like the plug from one uh, neuron to the next but they actually have a gap between them there is a separation between these things and that's why people if they're moving slow or if they're getting forgetful they might say I gotta get the synapses firing because it's like a spark there needs to be something that bridges the gap that jumps across the gap to send the information from one uh, nerve cell to the next they work like a little spark plug so to speak and when they communicate frequently when a neuron is uh, communicating through the same channel, these synapses, they gain strength. They get stronger and they get stronger. Messages that travel the same pathway in the brain over and over again, they begin to transmit faster and faster. And with enough repetition, it really becomes automatic. And it becomes so automatic, when I get in my car that's got the center shifter, I'm going like this. Because so many times I had been using that column shifter. It, it got automatic and then I had to change it. What's, what's going on? 
And that's why people practice things. That's why they practice things like golf swings and baseball swings. With enough practice, it gets sort of like an automatic pilot. That's why people say, hey, it's just like riding a bike. You know, you've ridden a bike so much, you get to know it so well, you put it away for a couple of years, you can just get right back on and ride your bike. It is such a fantastic, absolutely wonderful design by God. I can't imagine that King David could have understood even a bit of it, even a fraction of it. He had no idea of the intricacies that God had designed in the human body when he wrote Psalm 139. And it talks about, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. And it is so true. And it's so often the case that we can look at the natural world. We can look at all that's around us, God's magnificent design, and we can find analogies and we can find parallels to our spiritual life and our spiritual walk. And to this synapse, this connector, it's an example of God's ingenious design, God's designed way for uh, communication to take place, and yet it's a communication circuit that's has all these gaps in it. But he formulated this method of communication and he formulated a way to span the gaps. And that has parallels to our spiritual life. There is analogies here that I'd like to draw. First of all, mankind was separated from God. There was a separation from God by sin. Now, this wasn't a small span. This was a a huge chasm. So it's a little bit different than a synapse. It's not this small little gap that needs to be traversed. But there's somewhat of a parallel here, that there is this chasm. There is a, a huge gulf that no man or no woman can pass, a chasm that was created because of sin And there had to be a mechanism. God had to come up with a way to bridge the gap and span the divide. And he did. God came up with a plan, another marvelous plan. And that plan was his son, Jesus Christ. It's only by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that the great divide of sin can be spanned. Paul wrote uh, to his friend Timothy, for there is one God and there is one mediator between God and man and that's the man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for sin with Jesus Christ and with only Jesus Christ. Can that span be crossed? Jesus is the conduit, if you will. He's the link. He is the connection that can bridge this gulf and bring us back into right relationship and right standing with God. Jesus is salvation from the penalty and the doom of sin. But as I said last week, there is more to spiritual life. There's more to our walk than mere salvation. I mean, the fact that we have come to Christ and we have, can say, yes, I can span this gap of sin. I've, I've repented of my sins and I believe in Jesus Christ and, and I can get into right standing with God. There's more to life. There's more to Christian life than just that. There's more to knowing the Lord than just that. It's pressing on to know the Lord. 
And, and then our connection with Jesus builds and it strengthens. And it's as if the gaps get smaller and we begin to fine tune them and strengthen them just like a synapse. So we begin to use more of our spiritual energy and our spiritual strength and, our, and we rely more on the Lord and things get fine tuned and they get stronger as we press on, as we learn, as we grow and as we mature and we attune our spiritual senses. The Apostle Paul expressed this, I think, somewhat in his first letter Uh, to the church that was in the Greek city of Corinth. The Corinthians were saved. They had heard the gospel. Paul came there and he he says, I preach the gospel with power, the power of the spirit. And those people accepted what they heard. And they committed their lives over to Jesus Christ by believing, repenting, turning towards him. But that seemed to be it. It. And their connection to Christ then was very, very weak. They hadn't really moved forward much. So Paul wrote this letter to him, and I want to read to you just a bit of it from chapter 2 of Paul's first letter to the Corinthians. And it's the last few verses in that chapter. And it reads like this. Paul said, The person without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God but considers them foolishness and cannot understand them because they are discerned only through the Spirit. The person with the Spirit makes judgments about all things, but such a person is not subject to merely human judgments. For who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Now, this is a passage of scripture, and in particular, a line, that last line, that's astonishing. And this is, this is a portion of scripture that I, I believe should stop us in our tracks. I mean, it stops me in my tracks when I read this. When I come across a line, first that reads, who has known the mind of the Lord so as to instruct him. Now, Paul lifted this line. That's not his original words. He lifted it from Isaiah chapter 40. He's quoting the Old Testament prophet. And it seems to me he's saying, you know, God's huge. Who are we before God? Could we ever instruct the Lord? Could we ever counsel him? So I'm thinking if I read a line like that, he's going to follow on and say, no way. No way, you can't do that. Our minds are too feeble compared to the Lord's. And yet he writes this, this line that is stunning. He writes a complete contrast, the total opposite. We have the mind of Christ. Really? Who has the mind of Christ? How can this be? I mean, this should stop us and we should ask, what? Can this be true? What does it mean? How can it be? Well, Paul makes some attempts to explain it. First of all, he had made a distinction leading up to this very line, to this phrase. He made a distinction, didn't he, between two types of people. He made a distinction between the person without the Spirit and the person with the Spirit. 
Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. We, what does he mean by we? And I believe he means we, the people with the Holy Spirit, not those without the Holy Spirit. And I believe when he wrote we, he wasn't really referring at all to the Corinthian church or those people. He was referring to himself and his co-author, which if you read the very first verses, you find out Paul wrote the letter with uh, his friend Sosthenes. And I believe he means we, me and Sosthenes, we have the mind of Christ because we have the spirit. But he certainly doesn't mean the entire church in the city of Corinth. Because this is his very next line. The very next line he writes, which is 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3, the very first verse. He says, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. Now there's an indictment. Brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, mere infants in Christ. So he made the distinction leading up to it, and now he follows on, and thus the person with the mind of Christ is the person with the Holy Spirit. And having the mind of Christ has something to do then with living by the Spirit. I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit. So having this mind, having the mind of Christ has to do with that. To have the mind of Christ, I've heard it said, is to know Christ. And that's really what we've been talking about for the past several weeks. Knowing the word, knowing the living word, knowing Jesus, the living word. First, knowing the revealed word, the scriptures, the Bible, we've talked about that. We need to get the word of God into us hide it in our heart and we talked about knowing his voice and then pressing on to know him more and in this passage by uh, Paul to the Corinthians he enumerates that knowing Jesus by living by the spirit is to have the mind of Christ it sounds impossible it's audacious how could it be yet we can know Jesus By the directing, by the teaching, by the discerning of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, this is a flow from God to man, from God to woman. It's like spiritual neurons and synapses. There is a gap between us and God, but God can bridge that gap. The Holy Spirit can flow to us, a flow, a communication that needs to be repeated and it needs to be tried and it needs to be practiced. And then it's strengthened. It's this circuit. It's a circuit of communication and relationship between God and man, this Holy Spirit. And we've got to work it till it becomes solid. The Holy Ghost is our great teacher and he is our great comforter. And Jesus made a promise. He made a promise to his disciples when he was about to leave them. In the 14th chapter of John's gospel, we read, this is uh, John fourteen twenty six. Jesus said, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things 
and will, will remind you of everything I have said to you. So God created, he created this complex and this mysterious and yet marvelous way for our natural minds uh, to work. And you know, a hundred years later from first realizing what's going on in all of this, scientists are still trying to figure out what these synapses do, what they all do. They've got some things figured out, but it's still one of the greatest questions in neuroscience, how these things work. And they, they develop uh, medications based on how a, a synapse functions, how this communication works. And God has a very a mysterious and a similar way in which the Holy Spirit teaches us and the Holy Spirit communicates with us and the Holy Spirit bridges a gap between uh, us and God and he brings things to our mind and to our remembrance. It's like the pulse of uh, energy uh, through the synapse. The Holy Spirit is uh, in a flash, in an instant of time. He can put things into our heart. And he can draw things to our mind. And this is a grand thing of the divine teaching of the Holy Spirit, that he can do this and he can bring things to us and teach us. Have you ever prayed? Have you ever prayed and wondered, why did I just pray that prayer? I've stood before people, and this doesn't happen every single time I pray, but I've stood before some people and just prayed. They say, oh, I need prayer or, you know, I'm struggling. I don't really get too many details and I just start to pray. And I have had people standing in front of me, tears coming down their eyes. Do you realize you just prayed exactly what I needed to be prayed? Well, no, I didn't really realize it, but that's the communication of the Holy Spirit. That's his guiding and his teaching. And it's fantastic and it's wonderful. I mean, have you ever talked to someone and wondered, why did I just give that advice? Why did I just say that? Where did that come from? You know, if we are living as we should before God Almighty, being tender before him, seeking him, the Holy Spirit will lead us. And again, those types of uh, things have happened to me where I don't know why that came up. I, and I say, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for guiding me to help this person. There was uh, once a man who attended church here at Bethesda for a number of years, and he has since moved away. He's uh, been uh, gone from our uh, congregation for a number of years. But during the time that he was here among us, there was an occasion where uh, he went missing. And his family uh, became very concerned, and they were worried about what had occurred, where did he go, and, you know, a search began. A search went underway to find this individual. And so it was that his co-worker, who was a Christian man, was also very concerned. And that co-worker, uh, his name was Fred. Fred was driving home one day. He was driving home and he's praying for his co-worker. Just praying, Lord, you know, he needs help. And as he's on the... Uh, freeway, he's suddenly compelled in his, in his heart and his spirit to exit the freeway. This is not his exit. He still has miles to go before he'd exit the freeway, but he exits the freeway. 
He gets off, pulls up to the first light. There's the road that he exited to. He turns. Well, he begins to traverse the road and he's traveling down the road. And suddenly as he's praying again, he feels compelled to turn into the parking lot of a store, a big retail store. Now, he doesn't just have to make the easy turn. You know, this is one of our famous boulevards here in Michigan. And what do we call it? A Michigan left. He's got to make a U-turn, come back around and turn into this parking lot, scratching his head. Really? Is this what I should be doing? But he does because he's been praying for his friend. So he makes that U-turn, does his Michigan left, pulls into the parking lot. Like I said, big store, big retail store. Drives all the way to the front of this big parking lot. And lo and behold, in front of that store, sitting on the sidewalk, there's his missing co-worker. Now I know this story is true. I know it's absolutely true. Because that same night, I received a call. I received a call from the missing man. And he wanted some help. And he gave me an address. He said, could you pick me up at this address? I said, sure, I'll come pick you up. And I get to this address, and it was this man, Fred. It was Fred's house. So I met Fred. He told me exactly what happened. Now, I'm standing in Fred's house. I know where he lives now. So I know when he took that exit on the freeway, there is no way that he would have taken that exit because it was not on the way to his house. And he says, you know, I was, just, I was just praying and I felt, you know, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit directing me. You know, and this man was led to the exact spot he needed to be at. At precisely the right time he needed to be there to find his friend. Now that's a spiritual connection. I'd say his spiritual synapses were working great. They were firing. He was connected. That's a person I could address as one who lives by the Spirit, not a one who who lives worldly. He had a, a realization that came to his human spirit arising out of this divine revelation by the Holy Spirit. And he was directed right where he needed to be. Remember what Paul said. He said, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit but as people who are still worldly. Now, he spent the rest of his letter, you can read 1 Corinthians, read all through it. Paul described their worldly condition, fights, quarrels, jealousy, sexual immorality, idolatry, adultery, greed, slander, swindling, drunkenness. He goes on and on, abusing spiritual gifts, disorder in the church. You don't even know how to come and have a communion. This is the worldly condition he found these people in. He said they were saved, but they were mere infants in Jesus Christ. They needed to move on. They needed to develop their spiritual connection by the Holy Spirit. In essence, Paul is saying... Put this world stuff aside. Get rid of it. You need to grow up. You need to grow. You need to move on. You need to know Jesus Christ in a real and a deep and an abiding way. And you do that by living by the Holy Spirit. 
In John chapter 16, Jesus said this. Again, it's the day before he's going to be crucified. And in John 16, verses 13 and 14, he said, but when he, the spirit of truth, this is the Holy Spirit, the spirit of truth, when he comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own. He will speak only what he hears and he will tell you what is yet to come. He will glorify me because it is from me that he will receive what he will make known to you. So the Holy Spirit has got to do with Jesus and knowing Jesus. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will glorify me. And when he says me, it's Jesus. The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. Jesus said, whatever, whatever comes from the Holy Spirit, that's from me. That's from Jesus. So, you know, this man driving his car, feeling, need to exit here, need to turn here. Jesus, Jesus, interacting with him. Jesus said, whatever comes from the Holy Spirit, that's coming from me. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will guide you and he'll guide you into all truth. The truth about who? Jesus. This is how we know Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit's work. And this is what is implied in having the mind of Christ. And this is why Paul says to these Corinthians, we have the mind of Christ. I think he's trying to spur them on. You know, you need the mind of Christ. You need Jesus' mind. You need to think like him. You need to be connected to him. You need these spiritual synapses firing. You need the Holy Spirit speaking to you. You need to put yourself before the spirit of the living God and say, Lord, I need you. Help me. Guide me. And then what? The Holy Spirit will glorify Jesus. And, I, and Jesus was glorified. When I heard this about a man being found, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. So many people have been praying that this person would be discovered. And he was. And he was divinely discovered. There was no police finding him. There was no dragnet that pulled him in. There was no search on the internet that found his bills and found him at that store. No, it was the Holy Spirit who led a man to find him. And that's why we emphasize this here at Bethesda Christian Church. That's why we emphasize a relational and experiential aspect of the Holy Spirit of Almighty God. God is the triune God, the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and we don't ignore any of them. They're all the Godhead. They are three in one. We emphasize the Holy Spirit, living by the Spirit. Jesus said to his friends a moment before he ascended into heaven, you will be baptized by the Holy Spirit. And that's my desire. As I stand before this church, it's my desire that everyone here would be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Everyone who accepts Jesus Christ and has uh, come to yield their life to him would experience this baptism, a full immersion into the Holy Spirit. Why? To be guided into all truth, to be led by the Spirit, to receive what Jesus would have for each of us. And then, continuing on, attuning that spiritual sense getting to know God more, strengthening every day in our times of 
uh, devotion with the Lord, strengthening that bond, that union of our spirit with the Holy Spirit. So that when you pray, when you pray, it's led by the Spirit. When you talk, when you speak, who you're talking to, it's led by the Spirit. So that even when you drive your car, it's led by the Spirit. Why? Because it's your whole life. That's life that is lived by the Spirit. This is what Paul said. You haven't achieved it, you Corinthians. You are still mere infants. You're worldly, but you need to live by the Spirit. And it's what I'd love for everyone here to do, to be living by the Spirit. First off, there's that big gap that I talked about. If you're here this morning and you've never spanned that gap, sin is still a barrier in your life, I just want to tell you, the cross of Jesus Christ brings you into right relationship with our creator God. And he's the only way. He is the only way. It's only by the power of the blood of Jesus Christ that you can span this huge gap of sin. And I would invite you this morning to say, Lord, I need that if you've never done that. Because it's an eternal issue. It's, it's about your eternal life. There's only one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is Jesus Christ, who paid the ransom for sin for all of us. And so with Jesus, you can span that great divide, and I'd invite you this morning to do that because he's the conduit, he's the link, he's the bridge that can cross that great chasm. But for all of you who have done that, and all of us need, all of us need to fine-tune our connection to the Lord. And if you need a little bit of better attuning, I'm just going to invite you to stand right now and you can come down to these altars. You know, if you need the Lord for the first time, come to the altar. But if you need to strengthen that connection, if you want those spiritual synapses firing completely, you want to feel the pulse of the Holy Spirit in your life directing you, giving you what Jesus would have for you, you can come down here and we'll pray. We'll pray and we'll ask that God would do that very thing for you. You know, you need those spiritual connections. You need those spiritual synapses firing. Those of you who are going to youth camp, you know, today you can start. You can fire up right now. You can get those connections moving now. You know, we come to the altar. Get a touch from the Lord this morning. We're going to sing about the presence of the Holy Spirit. And as we do, come on down. Come on down. And we're we're in no rush to get out here. Receive something from the Lord. Receive something from the Holy Spirit this morning. Oh God, let us become more aware of your presence in our daily life. God, that we would truly be, all of us, people who live by the Spirit. God, for anyone here, anyone here who's never known you, God, if they have made that decision in their heart this morning, make yourself true to them, God, we pray. We pray, Lord, that you would dwell deep in their heart, Lord, and that you would move them forward in you, God, for any person here at these altars, any person, God, who needs to put away any distraction, any distraction, Lord, whether they've been with you a day, a year, 10 years, five decades, 10 decades, whatever the case, God, 
Whatever the case, if there's a worldly distraction, we pray you'd eradicate it, Lord, by the power of your Holy Spirit. Let us put the worldly things behind us, God. Lord, may they go behind us. Let us have an attitude that says we need the Holy Spirit and we need to be led by the Spirit and we want to be led by the Spirit. God, I pray that for everyone at these altars right now that your holy presence, your Holy Spirit would rain down upon them, God, that they would truly experience your direction and your teaching and your guidance, God. Lord, I know that you can do it. You're the divine creator of every single one of us. Your Holy Spirit has been given and poured out by the resurrected Jesus Christ. And we thank you for that, Lord. And we need that. We need it, Lord. We need it. Everyone at these altars needs it. Holy Spirit, rain down upon them. Fall down upon them. Oh, rain in their hearts, God, that you would do a work indeed, Lord to lead them, guide them, teach them divinely. God, we need you. We just praise you this morning. Lord, we thank you. We praise you. We offer up our hearts in praise to you this morning, God. We praise you. We exalt you. There's none like you, Jesus. There's none beside you. You're our strong tower. Thou art our refuge and our strength. Oh, we praise you, God. We praise you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We bless your name. We bless your name, Lord. Oh, we just offer up our thanksgiving and our praise to you, God. We honor you, Jesus. You are our true Messiah. There is none like you. You're the first. You're the last. You're the beginning. You're the end. Oh, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Oh, there's none like you. There's none beside you. You are the great, great comforter. You are the healer. You're the prince of peace. Thank you, God. Thank you. You're the lamb of God who takes away our sin. We praise you and we thank you for that. Oh, we bless your name. We thank you, Lord. Oh, we thank you. Oh, Lord, you're enthroned on the praises of your people. Oh, we thank you for the sweet presence of your Holy Spirit. Lord, as we go out of this building, may your spirit be with us. Be with everyone who's going to that youth camp, God, again. And we just pray a great blessing on them. May that connection to the Holy Spirit be invigorated this week, Lord. May it be strengthened, not only to the camp, but to all of us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. You don't need to run out of here. If you want prayer at these altars, you can stay. And we have people who will pray with you. God bless you.